Today's scripture is found in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 14. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. This is the word of the Lord. As I said, I got a call last night to preach this morning. So um, went back through some stuff that I've done before and, and, and really prayed, spent a lot of time praying last night um, because obviously you, you need to say, God, okay, what's going on here? But um, spent some time praying and really wanted to see what God wanted for us this morning. And I felt that this was it um, when Paul writes to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he has a few things to tell him. Um, so we'll see this morning um, how a young Baptist preacher can kind of do on the fly, you know, and see maybe, who knows, it might get a little old school in here. Um, actually, speaking of that, um, I, I grew up not in an old school kind of church. You know, I grew up in a church that was very sort of just traditional, you know, and, and, and you wear your nice stuff and you go and it's kind of quiet through the service. Um, but for the first three years of my life, I grew up at an old school kind of church, you know, where like on a Sunday night you show up and you really don't know what's going to happen, you know, like you get there and the pastor gets up and he starts saying a few things and then what happens is people, I guess they sort of get excited or whatnot, you know, and like people just start raising their hands and talking about what God's done for them, kind of, I guess what you might call in like an old testifying service, I guess is what people would say. Um, well, this happened one time when I was three. And this was out at Cherry Springs Baptist Church in Old Fort. That's where I grew up for the first three years. And this, uh, this, these, the people, man, they were just, just calling out to God, talking about how good he was. And I never sat with my parents because I sat with my babysitter and her husband. And he was one of those guys that after everything, he would say amen. You know, it would be like the pastor would get up and say welcome, amen. You know, how was everybody's day, amen. You know, he just said it about everything. And um, I was sitting beside him. Well, this service is going on, and there are people around, you know, and, and, and they're crying, best I can remember, and I've been told. And, and God is just really moving in the place, and people are worshiping and all that kind of stuff. Well, this lady stands up in front of us. And when she does, she, she stands up, and she begins to talk about the Lord and how much he means to her. And when she does, she says, she says I just want to say, that, that God is so good, I wish that I could just stand up and sing a song to him tonight, but I don't know that I should because I can't carry a tune in a bucket. Well, apparently, three-year-old me thinks that's the perfect time 
And as soon as she says, you know, I would want to sing a song to God, but I can't carry a tune in the bucket, meaning she can't sing, I just holler out, amen, you know? And like everybody around there is like just kind of, kind of stops and looks, and my parents are sitting behind me, and they told me the only thing they could do was go like this. And, and the lady, thankfully, didn't actually hear me, but I guess it's even worse because what happened is people all around her just started horse laughing, you know, and she thought they were making fun of her. And, and she was like, like, what? I, I mean, I know I can't sing. You have to laugh at me, you know. And she, she sits there. She, she stands there, and finally, after the end of the service, somebody told her, no, it wasn't about that. It was the fact that this little boy behind you said amen, you know, right when you said you couldn't sing. And my parents... And they were laughing. They weren't upset at me, you know. I guess they couldn't be upset that I, at least I said amen in church, you know, or whatever. But, uh, but they, 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 they told me afterwards, they was like, the only thing we could do whenever you did that was simply just hang our head because of how embarrassed we were. You know, you, you made this woman feel, she didn't know it, but later she didn't care, but could have made this woman feel just terrible. You know, and they said, we walked out of there and we were embarrassed, you know, even though that you're our son and, and you're only three, we were so, we were embarrassed by what happened. And thankfully they didn't like turn and, and, and become ashamed of me because of that. But oftentimes embarrassment, we get embarrassed by something, something bothers us and, and we're kind of embarrassed and we blush and, and that happens to us. That can often turn to shame. Um, and thankfully that night, embarrassment didn't turn to shame, but many times in our life we, we face situations where we get embarrassed and it ends up becoming a shameful thing. Many of you are sitting here this morning, and there may be something that kind of flares up in your mind that you can sit and say, yes, I am ashamed of that particular thing that I've done in my life. I can look back over the course of my life for a long time and say there have been things that have just simply embarrassed me, but yet there have been things that I am ashamed of. We know that feeling of shame when we feel uh, disappointed in ourselves because of a decision that uh, we've made that has caused us to feel that feeling of shame. When I was in high school, I was in 11th grade, and I was leaving uh, this place, and there were some people going to ride with me. And when they were, um, I was, I, I was going to take them home or whatnot. And I knew when these people were getting into my car um, that they weren't about any kind of Christianity. I knew that just by, just by kind of being around them for a, for a time. And I had this Bible that I placed kind of right in, right in above my gear shifter. And I had this Bible that would sit there. Never, never read it, but it sat there. And I remember when they got in my car or were getting in my car, I took that Bible and I remember this, and like I wish I hadn't and look, can look back and say that I didn't, but I took that Bible and slid it underneath my seat because I didn't want those people getting in my car and thinking, okay, so he's not going to be up for whatever we might talk about doing tonight. And I remember going home. Nothing happened tonight. I remember going home, and I remember sitting there, and I just felt so, so, so terribly ashamed of simply denying my faith by placing this little Bible behind my seat because of the people who were getting into my car. 
It's like the apostle Peter, whenever um, Jesus tells him, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, I'll never do it. And he gets around and, and you know, Peter, my, probably this kind of scruff uh, guy who's a fisherman, gets, gets right beside this, uh, you know, 14 or 15 year old girl. And she says, aren't you the guy who, who was with Jesus? And he's so scared of this little girl that he says, no, that's not me. And he says it three times. And it says after he hears the rooster crow, he runs off and he weeps. Because he is so ashamed of his actions. That night I felt that same way. That night I felt that same way because I felt like I had turned my face against the God that I had professed to love and professed to follow. And I'm sure I'm not the only person who, in this room who has ever experienced those same kind of feelings. I'm sure there are some or many of you who sit in here this morning and you have experienced those feelings or possibly still do because of a lifestyle you have left or because of things that you still allow to happen in your life that you say, you know, I don't want this particular group of people to know that, that, that I follow Jesus to that extent like I will on Sunday and maybe on some on Monday, but there's these people I get around on Tuesday and I don't really want them to know, so I kind of hold back. Maybe it's, it's for some of you students, it's at school because you get beside that, that person that you're intimidated by and you sit across from them at lunch and you say, you know what, I don't want them to look at me differently, so therefore I'm going to make sure that I kind of take my church hat off and put it behind my seat when I'm around them. Maybe it's at your job, maybe we have, we have all kinds of jobs represented in here, maybe it's when you walk into work. And you don't want people to know you, 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 you're that far in your faith. You just kind of want to say like, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll pray a little bit before I eat. But I don't want people to know that I really am all about Christianity because of what they may think. Maybe it's a decision you've made and you're like, you know, when I, when, when I, when I go somewhere and do something and I can kind of be away from people, I'll do something. And, and, and I just, as long as, as long as I can kind of keep keep the church hat on sometimes, and then at the same time kind of, I guess, let my hair down, so to speak, I'm okay. But Paul looks and writes to Timothy this morning. He wrote it a long time ago. We're going to look at it this morning. And he says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Paul is writing to his son in the faith, and he's already written one letter to Timothy talking about worship, talking about who to, who to choose as elders and pastors. And Paul now is almost about to face death. Most scholars think he's maybe a year from death. He doesn't know. He thinks it could happen any time. But after he writes this letter, it could have been six months. It could have been a year. And then he was killed because of his faith. And he writes to Timothy and he says, look, I want you to be unashamed and I want you to live unashamed. I want you to be unashamed and I want you to live unashamed. The whole purpose of this letter is to write to Timothy and say, look, you're, you're, you're a man of God teaching people what it is to live by this gospel that I've entrusted to you. You need to persevere through that. No matter what you face, you need to persevere through everything. Timothy is in Ephesus. It's a city full of, full of idols. 
idols all around. The, the, the Ephesian church had, had idols and temples to, to the God of sex, to the God of, of alcohol. They had one to the God of, they had them to all kinds of gods. And the way that you would celebrate is you would go in there and whatever that idol was, you would perform that act to worship that idol. And Ephesus was full of idols. They had this huge, huge complex and they just had idols lined through there that people would come and worship. And those idols were sinful things. But, you know, we could look at that and say, yeah, but, but we're, we're, not, we're not that way today, but actually we are. We still live in a world full of those same kind of idols. We just don't put them on rock. We put them on billboards. We put them in on TV. We put them on t-shirts. We put them on so many different things. We live in the same kind of world that Timothy was living in, and Paul is writing to him. Therefore, if we live in the same kind of world, Paul, the things that he says, he's writing to us. Why? Because he's saying, Timothy, you're going to face suffering. You're going to face people who look at you and say, why would you follow that God? Why would you follow that gospel? That's dumb. That's closed-minded. It's the same thing we hear today. If you're a a follower of Christ, maybe you're just cast off as a closed-minded bigot. Somebody, maybe you're cast off as somebody who is unintellectual. If you believe in Christianity, you believe on nothing but faith, you have no intellect, I'm going to write you off right now. Paul tells Timothy, he says, look, in the face of all of that, be unashamed. And we see why. He says, be unashamed. And we're going to kind of put a little uh, comma by that and say, look at what Christ did. Be unashamed because look at what Christ did. Let's read it. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Listen to verse 9 and 10. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his purpose and grace. I'm going to skip to verse 10. Which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. Listen, who abolished death, who brought life, and who has given you immortality through the gospel. Paul says that that, that Jesus has done four things. First, he saved us. He saved us. It's not of our own doing. Ephesians 2 says that we were spiritually dead because of the sins and the trespasses, those things that we didn't mean to do that were wrong and those things that we did intentionally that were wrong. We were dead spiritually, but God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive because when Jesus, who was in heaven and could have stayed there, he didn't have to come to earth, chose to come to this earth to live a perfect life and die in our place. He took our sin debt. He took the penalty that was supposed to be hours so that we could be made alive God has saved us if you've trusted in Christ if you follow him if you have trusted in his provision God has saved you what else did Jesus do verse 10 says he abolished or he destroyed death he destroyed eternal death before Christ before that people had no chance If you followed God, you did, but before believing in Christ, you have no chance for eternal life in heaven. You essentially, when you die on this earth, you will face eternity without God. It says that Jesus abolished eternal death. He destroyed it. Boom, it's gone. And he didn't just do that. What does it say he did in verse 10? It says he has given us life. He's brought us life spiritually, 
He's brought us life. Maybe um, you think now and you can look on the situations that you face now that you used to would have faced and you looked at and you said, man, there's just no hope. But because of what Jesus has done in your life, you face the same circumstances, the same situations with a different outlook because Jesus has given you life. What does he tell the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well? She's like, where do I get this water that wells up to eternal life? And Jesus says, I'm the one who gives it. Jesus gives you life. Nothing else does. Your job won't give you life. Your spouse won't give you life. Nothing will give you the full joy in life that you're looking for outside of Christ. What does it say he did? It says he also has given us immortality. Verse 10 says that Christ has given us immortality. He has given us eternal life with him in heaven. Now, let me just say this. Paul says, be unashamed. And he says, be unashamed because look at what Jesus did. Be unashamed because look at what Jesus did. Why is he making a point to say, Timothy, I want you, in verse 8, to be unashamed. And then he lists these things that Christ has done. Because we have this tendency to forget those things that Christ has done for us. And when we forget what Jesus has done in our life and we forget the sin that he's taken us out of, it's easy to kind of step away and say, I, I don't, I don't want to be one of those guys who's a part of that because we forgot the miracle of our salvation. Paul says, look, don't be ashamed. Look at what Christ has done. I said this to the students a while back. There's no person sitting at your lunch table that can say they've ever done those things for you. There's no person in your job that you should be intimidated by that much to live out your faith because they have never destroyed death, they've never given life, and they've never given you immortality. Therefore, why should we be ashamed of this gospel in front of them? Jesus said, Paul says, Paul says, be unashamed because look at what Christ has done. But he also says this, He says, don't be ashamed of me, but share in the suffering. Share in the suffering for the gospel. Now, I take it that probably most of us have never suffered like Paul did for the gospel. He tells us in 2 Corinthians 11, he tells us some of the things that he faced because of the gospel. Listen to this. He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes, less one. That's five times 39. I don't know how to do math, so there you go. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. He faced so much toil and hardship because of the gospel. And I would say, honestly, in America, we probably don't face those same kind of hardships because of the gospel, but in the same way, we still face suffering. Many of you have walked in here this morning, and it may not be because somebody has has called you out on your faith, but you've walked in here this morning and you are suffering from something. Maybe you're suffering from what um, your spouse told you this past week. Maybe you're suffering because you, you, have, you have a child who is running or walking away from the faith and there's nothing you can do about it. There seems to be nothing you can do about it. You're suffering emotionally because of what you think a a diagnosis could possibly be. You walk in this room this morning and many of you could be suffering from so many things. And you're like, where can I turn to walk through this? Paul makes sure to tell Timothy it's not a a feeling that you're going to get. 
that's going to help you through that. It's not this, it, it, it's not this time that you, that you come in and you get these, these, good, these good, you know, warm, fuzzy feelings that's going to get you through the news that you might hear this week. Instead, it's understanding and embracing what Paul has just written, that Jesus is the one that gives you life. Jesus has destroyed death, and Jesus, if you know him, has given you eternal life with him. That's what gets you through suffering. That's what gets me through suffering. That's what gets us through anything we're going to face. It's looking at what Christ has done. We look at what he's done. Paul also says this. He says, live unashamed. He looks, he, he says unashamed several times in this verse, tells Timothy not to be ashamed of the gospel. So we're to live unashamed. Why? Because Jesus is worth it. He says, be unashamed. Look at what Christ did. Live unashamed because Jesus is worth it. A little over a year ago, um, I, I had this, this thing happen to me that, that changed, has changed my life forever. I got married. You know, that, 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 that is a life changer, to say the least. Um, got, got married. Everything about life at that point changes. What, is, what was mine is now hers, and what was hers is still hers. Just kidding. No, no. It, 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 it's ours. Everything about life has changed because of, because of marriage, because of this huge event that took place in my life. And guess what? Every, anything that we will face, anything that we have already faced is so worth it because of that life change, because of what has happened in our life. And I would say this morning, Paul says, live unashamed because Jesus is worth it. True life change always leads to a difference in conduct. True life change always leads to a difference in how you live your life. Your decisions become different. The way you think because Jesus has given you a new mind becomes different. The way you act becomes different. The things you say become different because of Jesus changing your life. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We live unashamed because Jesus is worth it. True conversion always, always, always leads to a transformed life. Your life at conversion isn't over. It's not like I get saved and then all of a sudden I'm done. When you get saved, when Jesus saves you from your sin and you embrace that truth and you accept the gospel, you actually begin a new life. You begin a new life at that point because God didn't just save you from your sin and that'd be it. God did save you from your sin, but he saved you for him. He saved you for his purpose, and he saved you for his mission. That's what Jesus has done. Paul tells Timothy, look, don't be ashamed. Be unashamed because look at what Jesus has done. He saved you, and he's continuing to change lives, but now you need to live unashamed because him and his gospel are so worth it. Live unashamed because Jesus is worth it. He has saved you from your sin and he saved you for his purpose. Look at what Paul says in verse 9. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling. He says in verse 13, let's skip down to there. Follow the pattern of sound words that you've heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ. And guard the good deposit in verse 14 that is entrusted to you. 
So what does it mean that Jesus has saved us from our sin and he saved us for his mission? He has called us to be his people. What does that mean to be on God's mission? First, it means to love God more than anything else. Love Christ more than anything else in your life. That's number one. Jesus said all the commandments of the, of, of, of the prophets could be summed up in, in two commandments. Love the Lord your God and then love your neighbor as yourself. Love Jesus more than anything else in your life. And love people. What do I mean by love people? A true love for somebody would be understanding, okay, I know Christ. I know him. Many of you sitting here this morning and you know Jesus, you walk with Christ. Or a true love for that coworker that you sit beside every day is to get to know them and find out, do they know Christ? Do they, have they embraced the gospel? Because if they haven't, the best thing you could ever do for them is to tell them the gospel of Jesus that killed death, that is given life and will give them eternal life. That's the best thing that we can do for people. What else is being a part of God's mission that God has saved us to? Serving the church in some kind of capacity. Many of you wake up early every every Sunday to get here to, to serve our church. Many of you serve in the food pantry. You serve on different teams in our church. Serving God's church is one way to be on God's mission. How about this? Paul says, I am a, I'm a preacher. I'm a herald of the gospel. We're all, doesn't matter if you're vocational ministry or, 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 or not, you, we are all called to be a herald, called to be somebody who proclaims the gospel of Jesus. All of us sitting in this room this morning, I, I, could, I could preach for days, but each one of you going back into your job where you have contact with 5, 10, 20 other people that no preacher will ever have contact with will change this world way more than one or two preachers ever could. We're all called to be heralds of God's gospel. We're all called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. What else do we need to do? We just simply need to serve God in our family, serve God in our daily routine, allow time in the morning for God to pour into our life through his word. Serve Jesus. And Paul says this in verse 14, he says, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to us. When I read that, I was like, okay, what deposit? What is this deal that he's talking about? He's saying guard the gospel. That gospel message that Jesus died for your sin in your place and has changed your life, guard that message. Know the gospel, live the gospel, defend the gospel, be ready to share it with people. Paul says guard the good deposit. Think of it this way, if you send a package to someone and you, you, you go to the store and you, you have it in this box and, and you, you hand it over to the clerk at the mail station, what is it that you're hoping for? You're hoping that that package that you put in that box will arrive to the person you're sending it to safely, on time, in one piece, exactly how you send, exactly how you send it. You are trusting those people carrying it to get that thing that you're sending to somebody where it's supposed to be. Well, in some kind of awesome way, God has entrusted to us the supreme message of the universe to carry to all lost people. He didn't paint it in the sky with these big words. He didn't do some kind of, some kind of thing that says, I am God here, now, now believe. No, he took people like us 
and said, look, I'm going to, to show you my gospel and I'm going to change your life so much that when you share it with somebody else, the God of this universe is actually using you to see somebody's, somebody else's life change. When we're saved from our sin and saved to God's mission, God has entrusted to us something that is so much more important than anything else in this world. Think of it this way. Imagine Christians all over this county beginning to embrace the gospel that we're saved from our sin and we are on mission for God daily. Imagine what McDowell High School would look like. Imagine what the McDowell County school system would look like. Imagine what Baxter would look like. Imagine what your jobs would look like if we begin to embrace what Paul said, which is to be unashamed because of what Jesus has done, and we begin to live unashamed because Jesus is so worth it. Many of you in, in here are, are, are husbands, your fathers. And you sit here this morning, and you would do anything and everything to make sure that your wife and your kids are protected, taken care of, their well-being is watched after. Many of you moms in here this morning would do anything to make sure that your kids are taken care of, have enough food to eat. You would, you would do, it doesn't matter if it embarrassed you. It doesn't matter if, 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 if people were going to say something about you. If it involved your kids' well-being, you would do anything for it. Paul, when he says, guard the good deposit, he says this gospel message is so important. It's so highly important because it's the only thing that can give people eternal life. And God says, I'm entrusting it to you. I'm giving it to you. Now, we can do with it how we please. But God has said, I'm giving you this message that is world changing. This message that is so revolutionary. That many of you as, as dads and, and husbands and, and many of you as mothers would, would do anything for your kids, no matter what. It doesn't matter if your reputation was online. It doesn't matter what would happen, you would do anything. And Paul says that same kind of attitude is the attitude we're to have whenever we look at God's gospel. When we look at this message that Jesus has given to us, we have that same attitude that it doesn't matter what it takes. It doesn't matter what it's going to make us look like. It doesn't matter. We take that message with us everywhere we go, through the way we live, through the way we talk, by telling people about it, God has entrusted us with it. And many of you in here this morning know that. You know the gospel. You, you've embraced it. You've trusted Christ. And just like this did with me, I'm hoping that this text, that God's word will urge you to say, yeah, you know, there's some areas in my life that oftentimes when, when I'm around certain people or certain things that I want to go do, I kind of just put the, the gospel behind me. I kind of put my, 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 Christian, my Christianity behind me for, for just that time. And I hope this morning that God, through his word and through his Holy Spirit, is calling that out. Because as followers of Christ, his message that he's given to us, the, the gospel, is so important it's changed our life 
We need to be unashamed and we need to live unashamed. Some of you in here this morning don't know that gospel. You've never honestly embraced the fact that Jesus had to die because of all the wrong that you've done. All the things that you've done in your life. Maybe you think, I'm not really that bad of a person. Yeah, but if we've committed one thing that's wrong, our penalty is death. Our penalty is eternal death, and Jesus has abolished that. Jesus has taken it away whenever he died on the cross. And he's calling out to you this morning saying, look, this, this, this offer is open. It's not closed. It's open to you this morning. So as we um, go into our final time of worship, I'll ask that you close your eyes. We're going to bow our head. We're going to pray this morning. And as we pray, ask God to apply this how he needs to in your life. You know your situation right now. You know the areas of your life that, that God is speaking toward. Ask God to apply this to your life. Jesus, thank you for your message. We were, we were sinners who are spiritually dead, doomed for eternity without you, God, but you thankfully have made us alive. Lord, I pray this morning that you would, as your Holy Spirit has, <clears throat> has entrusted us with this message, has given us the gospel, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would also convict in areas of our life. Jesus, I, I personally want to be unashamed no matter who I'm around. I want to live a life that is unashamed for you because of what you've done and because you're worth it. You are awesome. You're holy. You, you died for us, not because you had to, because you chose to by how much you loved us and how much you still love us. I pray that you would work in the way that you see fit in the lives of the people sitting here, God, I thank you and love you in your name, Jesus. Amen.